Welcome to the Real Life Investing Podcast with Jason and Rachel Wagner. We are husband and wife and dedicated to bring you conversations that revolve around real estate, entrepreneurship, personal development, relationships, politics, and just regular conversations that come across the dinner table. We will share with you actual stories of relatable people with hopes to inspire you to invest in becoming the best version of yourself. Thanks for being here and welcome to the show. Welcome back to another episode of Real Life Investing with Jason and Rachel Wagner. I'm really excited about today's show. We have two guests that we've known since college, and they bring a totally awesome energy. You know, they're entrepreneurs. They haven't really spent like any time in the corporate world, and they've been out on their own ever since they graduated back in 2012. And really excited to tell their story because they've started this, they just dominated this wedding business. And they did that for a number of years and they're still doing it. And then they've also just incorporated like going after real estate and kind of mixing that into their lives. And I'm really just excited to, to figure out what was the motivation and, you know, where they're going with that and how things are going. So Brian and Ashley, welcome to the show. Thank you. <laughs> this is exciting. Yeah, you have such a radio voice, Jason. I actually heard you step into it. You went an octave lower when you started. It's very good. There is like, yeah, there is like a little element that you just kind of need to get into. It's the zone. Yeah, the zone. We That's showbiz, yeah. baby. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, we were practicing the interview questions, or at least just going over them to see if our answers checked out with each other. I felt myself going into a different voice and Brian, too. Yeah, nice. Yeah. That storytelling voice. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm a lot more nervous than I thought I would be, though. It always does that. Like, yeah. it's always like the first couple minutes, like, they do suck. Yeah. And then, <laughs> and then we're going to get deep into Brian. Brian's going to be crying by the end of this. It's going to be amazing. <laughs> okay, so why don't we, like, kind of start? Like, let's go back to, like, Augustana days. And, like, you guys graduated and you just decided to, to jump into the wedding business. Like, what was that whole thing about? You know, what, what drew you to is it? And, you know, where is it now? So we graduated the same year and then I had a, my goal was to stay in Illinois. I'm from Colorado and I just wanted to stay here with my friends. So I needed a job ASAP. And so I had a tech sales job and it was the worst fit. You can, I don't know if anyone can imagine me in corporate America, but it was horrible. Like <laughs> it's actually a joke to think about me clocking in nine to five with a badge I didn't last too long. I think I lasted a year and always had a camera and then just started filming weddings and it just got bigger and bigger and bigger slowly, but surely. So I've been working for myself since I've been 22. Brian's is a little different. Yeah, I had a few internships off the bat to, I would say like a year or two worth of internships. And then I got a full-time job in a corporate startup in the sports world and that was good for a little bit of time and then as we as ash started building this business it was like oh this is something that we could both do full time so yeah. that's what we did and that's been eight years I've been 10, yeah. he's like eight. Full t- full so full you time. started, you started the whole, and he joined. I got the bug. I want to go the entrepreneur route. Yeah. Yeah. It can, I mean, entre- I feel like for a lot of people, entrepreneurship just falls into their lap. They get a knack for something and they start small and then it just builds and builds and builds until it can basically sustain two incomes. 
And so that's where he would help me. And then he went full time when he left his sports job, sports agency, whatever job. And so that's how it started. That's how it grew. And then in, well, do we want to jump to like the real estate part or do you want to stay with? Yeah. Well, it all ties together. Yeah. 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 Because I guess it's just kind of understanding there was a big event that like caused you to think about, hey, maybe real estate is going to be something for us. And you and I, I mean, all of us have been working together for, I got into it in 2016 and, but I really didn't like engage you guys until 2017. We were kind of like filming some of the projects that I was doing. And yeah. It was a really cool engagement that we had. Yeah. And it, it kept us connected to you in a way that probably wouldn't have existed beyond maybe social media if we didn't have our business. So basically you hired us to, I think one. Do a walkthrough video of your flip. Yeah. A walkthrough video that was like more personal yeah. mm-hmm. and then just other media documenting your journey. Yeah. So that wouldn't have happened if we didn't have you know, our, our hands oh, on something. Yeah, I know. I, I didn't know anybody that was doing that. And I knew that you guys were doing video and stuff. And it was cool to do the before and afters of yeah. the projects that I was doing. It's funny because we think about the, remember the bungalow down on the South side, like that one took Ada. two years. Yeah. yeah. And like, you guys saw me at like when I was like at my worst. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, yes, it's finally done. And I'm yeah. going to make zero dollars on this. And, and that's a win. That was a yeah. win at that point. Right. That, was a win. that house yeah. kicked your ass. Yeah, it totally did. And, but I'm so glad that you filmed it. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's the only project that we filmed in increments. You're like, okay, this is a big one. It's a full house flip. So let's do beginning, middle, like almost done and then done. Mm-hmm. And to see that progression from a filming standpoint, we were like very impressed with the resilience for sure. Yeah. Cause you, you could just tell it was like a really difficult project and yeah. you were thrown a lot of curveballs. Um, curve balls. Yeah. Yeah. But, but you, but you guys were like, Hey, I kind of like this. Maybe I could do it better. Yeah. And you're like, Hey, I, I, maybe real estate could work for me. Totally. Like, all right. So kind of go through that process because then, like 2020 happened, right? And like your wedding business, everyone was not getting married. Every wedding was getting postponed. I know that put a huge dent into your schedules. Was that kind of like the moment when you were thinking about maybe there is a real estate side of this that we can mix into our lives? For sure. Totally. So there's always like, I did some graphic design work for another brokerage, just kind of as we were building our business, it was like a part-time thing. So it was like, I would say for the last, what is it, seven, eight years, I've had like one foot in real estate to some capacity. And then we started getting involved with your projects and you know seeing a different aspect of it, not just the buy and sell side of it. So, but yes, to your point in 2020, uh, COVID happened obviously. And I would say about 80% of our income was pretty much gone in a matter of a month or two. At weeks. And at this point, it's not one income, it's two incomes. and. A lot of our business, people would say a lot of things. They would say, you're so lucky and don't you love your job when we were doing full-time weddings and photography and videography. And I feel like we were for sure in love with what we did, but we very much so were not thinking long-term in terms of financials lifestyle even and people just love the idea people in corporate america love the idea of working for yourselves because of the freedom Mm -hmm. but what you don't understand when you're in corporate 
versus this lifestyle is that it's really hard to turn off. And so we were getting super exhausted by never turning off the entrepreneur part. And that was bleeding into our personal lives. So we went into 2020 starting to feel the burnout of that. Mm-hmm. And then our income got wiped. And that was like really intense because we were engaged we were renting and we were kind of thinking and we lived with two other people and we knew that they, they were ready to either live alone or move in with their partners. And we kind of thought we would just be forever renters. Like buying a house wasn't even on our radar until 2020 happened and we lost all of our money and potential for money. And we, it forced us to look at, finances in a way we have never looked at finances before it always felt like wealth would be this shooting star that maybe we might lasso or if we you know just keep working harder at the weddings like just take one more prices and you know things will fall into place there but never a strategy strategy or idea of oh there's ways to make money passively with investments. Yeah, that was such a foreign concept until we had to look at our finances in 2020. So then what happened was we read a bunch of books and one of them, like the the cliche one being Rich Dad Poor Dad. <laughs> like that's pretty that's much everyone. Yeah. <laughs> it's the one and it just so simply and almost in a fable-esque way explains to you how money works, how wealth works, and how everyone can do it. And so we really attached to that and then just kept reading a lot. And then that, you know, I feel like a lot of roads lead to bigger pockets. And so we started listening to that podcast, which really at the time, the hosts really said over and over and over again, house hack, house hack, house hack. And we happened to know two people who were house hacking, which are you guys. So, the, for, for clarity, <laughs> <laughs> they're sitting in front of us. Yeah. So then, from that process, we started talking to you. It made sense because we had all this free time for at least one of us to get our license. So Brian drew that stick. Yeah, and, and that, I mean that was right around the time you were even thinking about the idea of opening a brokerage because mm-hmm. you were still working for Kale. Mm-hmm. And I remember. I think I came over to Sunnyside to help you just demo some stuff maybe. And you're like, yeah, I get it too. I'm, I'm thinking about starting my own brokerage. I was like, oh, that's interesting. I don't know if you remember that or not. I, I do. I do. Specifically because, so the unit that we were renovating, the woman had passed away. And I was like, I got to renovate this unit. You were very interested in just like, you came over and just wanted to hang drywall for free. Yeah. That's what I was like, learned. I didn't yeah. know any construction. Like, and I was like, dude, yes, that's exactly <laughs> what you need to do. Nobody right wants now. to do that. Yeah, <laughs> right. Everybody's always like, yeah, I'll give you my time, but you know, pay me something or you know, just give me something in return. That's why I really admire you because there was a big moment there where I was just like, boy, you know, Brian's still like, it wasn't just one day. Like, you came, you came multiple days, yeah. like weeks. It was fun. And you were hanging drywall and doing demo and you wanted to just get your hands dirty. And like, th- it really reminded me of me because I was, when I started in real estate, I was like, I don't know anything. And I got to yeah. go, like, right. how do I find an opportunity? And the only way that I could do that was through Rachel's uncle who had just moved to Florida. And I said, Hey, can I, 
move down to Florida and live with you and like I'll give you free labor and we can flip a house together. I don't have any money, but like this is I, I really, really want to learn this stuff. Yeah. And it just reminded me of, of that because it was such a big sacrifice for me. And, and like, but just that small little gesture that you did was just like, wow, yeah, you know, I want to like, I want to help Brian and I want, I want this to work. And, and I hope that, you know, we could, we could do things on the road and like he learns from this and he wants to like take it to another level. Without it being calculating and, you know, like yeah. this, this trade, I give you this and you give me that mm-hmm. feeling. I feel like that's crucial with networking and the industry to mm-hmm. just genuinely give if that's what you want to do. Otherwise just ask for what you want up front. But I think that's what's something that's why he's so good in the industry and will continue to grow and be better because for I just think integrity is very obvious and you can't always put your finger on it, but you guys both are operating with integrity in those situations and people can intuit it whether they know it or not. And I feel like in the real estate industry, it is like there's so many different characters and there's a low barrier to entry. And so if you have integrity, like that is a really powerful and good quality to have. Well, and I think that experience actually created opportunity for both of you because it allowed you to to learn some of the construction side, like you were saying, but I think it also propelled you, Jason, into actually starting a brokerage because Mm -hmm. you're like, oh, I know somebody who's going to get their license and is interested in it and we can do this together. Mm -hmm. So just that small little thing created opportunity for both of you. Yeah. Yeah. It brings a thought process. And this is why I love like going to meetups because Literally, what you were just saying is that so many people want to give information for free. Like they want to help you because they know how hard it is and they know how much like time and effort and sacrifice that they put in themselves. And they know that the person that they're probably talking to is going to go down that path and any extra tips or tricks can help them and go a long way. And that's what the whole like Chicago real estate meetup community is Uh, just a lot of people that want to give and be a part of something and uh, work collaboratively because what I realized like when I first started real estate I was like you know I'm a, I'm a solo guy and I'm always I'm just it's just gonna be me and you know and I approached my flips that way and it was very lonely like it was I didn't have anybody else to really bounce anything off of and I think what I wish I would have known earlier was that no you don't have to do it alone like you can do it with team members and like people that want to be a part of your journey. And that's why like when you did that, that little gesture was, was very huge in, in just our relationship. So anyways, I just wanted to like acknowledge you for that because it's really, really cool. So then it's like, then what, right? What happened from there? Yeah. So we were living in a two flat in Logan square and we were, our unit was a duplex town and the previous tenant or it was the owner previously. And they thought they were going to live there for, longer than they did, but then they had another child. So then they needed to kind of get out of there for more space, but they redid their garden unit to duplex down. And it was just like amazing work, like a really nice unit. Well done. Yeah. So we kind of like had this, this kind of like a whole bunch of thoughts brewing of like, okay, we've lived in this apartment and there's an upstairs tenants and like, we get the kind of lifestyle. We understand the noise and all that kind of stuff. And we were used to it. And we liked it yeah. more than used to it. Like we like 
just enjoy we would have stayed there forever had we not read rich dad poor dad yeah yeah exactly so that's a very big thing yeah, that you just yeah, said right. Right? yeah we that did you we, read one book yes and and we absolutely loved this place so we knew we could replicate the lifestyle because we essentially were the renter's version of a house hack mm-hmm. yeah so that was crucial because i think that's a big hurdle for some people yeah. So then we sharing s- a building is something that a lot of people aren't necessarily willing to do, I especially mean. for their first home purchase, right. which it would have been for us. So we couldn't afford that building. Yeah. <laughs> so we started looking. We wanted to basically replicate what we had, except in our price range. And so we want that meant, you know, a backyard, a garage, and then we were looking for a two to four unit. Yeah, we had, a, we had a few different neighborhoods that we were looking at, mostly on the northwest side. So once I had gotten my real estate license, obviously, as a broker, you can schedule and go do things that you want to. So if we had like any time throughout the day, we would just go see a property, even if we weren't interested in it or we knew it was too expensive or we knew it was way too much work, we would just go and walk it just to see. We basically just, like, check it out. Yeah. We basically had three categories while we were looking. One was living situation. So what we could tolerate as people who live there. Two was the renter's perspective. So like, is this place a good place that a renter would like to live? Um, is it near public transportation? Is it near the highway? Things like that. And then the third was price. So we would go see places that checked maybe one of those three boxes or two of those three boxes. And we're just kind of waiting for one that checked all three. But we, since he has his broker's license, we were able to see for six months from January to September, like probably close to 30 to 40 houses. Yeah. Wow. I didn't realize that we would just, that many. Almost every day. I mean, we would just go in Logan Square, like the west side of Logan Square. And they were too expensive for the amount of work that they needed for us to do. But we would go into two, three a day sometimes and just, just look. Because that was part of the criteria with price is we wanted something we could provide value in with construction, but we knew we were not ready for a full rehab. And most of the places that were in our price range in Logan Square were like a full gut rehab because we don't have contractors in our network. We don't have electricians. We don't have plumbers. We don't have any of that. So we didn't want to take on too much for our first. Nor have we ever done any type of home renovation. Exactly. And momentum was important to us. Like we knew it was our first one and we didn't want to get punched in the face and stomach over and over again, you know, to jade us to a second house hack or a third. Mm -hmm. So momentum was important too. So that's why we didn't want to take on like a full flip. Some people get into real estate investing and they want to like put their teeth in it and do a full gut rehab and then they just get absolutely kicked in the ass and it takes so long to recover from that from some people well i mean everyone that's listening to this is probably in real estate in some capacity but it's easy to dream up oh we could do this and that and this and you get a contractor in there and they give you a price you're like oh we can't do that (laughs) (laughs) for that price no so we weren't risk averse but we were just trying to be relatively self-aware enough to know that this is our first time. Yeah. And that was our search process, our criteria. Yeah. Okay. So you ended up going through like 40 different homes. You finally found one, right? You actually wanted a contract with one. Yes. Let's walk through that one real quick. 
Yeah. And then end up where we're at now. Okay. So we were, should we name neighborhoods? Does it matter? Sure. <laughs> so we saw a house in Irving Park and we really liked it. And I think a big reason why we really liked it was because it had a duplex up and then a garden unit. So the duplex up, duplex down was super familiar with us because we were living in one. So we saw the attraction to that and kind of the investment of like potential returns on a, okay, well, if we can turn this into a four bed, two bath, you get a lot more rent than a three bed, one bath or a two bed, one bath. So that was kind of always in our mind. And we saw one came up and it was really nice when we first walked through it and they did a, the agent did a really good job marketing it. Like the pictures were really nice. We walked through and just based on our eyeball test, it was all things that we could stomach in terms of the work that would need it to be done to get it up and stabilized. And so. we'd done a rent analysis that seemed to be pretty good. Yeah. At least the best we've seen. We were looking in 2021, which was a brutal time to be buying two to four units. It was super competitive. People were going 70 grand over asking. Mm-hmm. We weren't in a position financially to be able to compete with that. So getting it first people to see it, we got really excited. We gave them a 24 hour, I think, or maybe a 12 hour deadline before our offer expired. So we actually got it under contract in under a day and we were the first ones to see it. I think we were proud of ourselves for that. We were excited about it and it was like a very cute and beautiful house. We did the inspection. And then the inspection. (laughs) And you walked it actually, you came to the inspection and we found out some rehab projects that were quite expensive and we asked you what you thought and you're at this time in our real estate career you were very good about letting us come to our own decisions you would not give us too much of an opinion and would kind of gently guide but not quite give us a hot take you walked out of that house and you said i would not buy this house and that was like a flesh wound for sure. Yeah. <laughs> that, was, that was a bad inspection. You, you, were, yeah. Yeah, you were really wanting an answer out of me. Yeah. And yeah. Like, you almost had a gun to my head. Yeah. yeah. And, Are you going to buy this house, Jason? And I'm like, pulled the trigger. No, I probably, I probably wouldn't. Yeah, probably yeah. wouldn't. So that held a lot of weight. And then we, you know, talked and cried about it for a week and then decided to back up yeah go out of contract it also was didn't exactly fit our renters criteria but it was one of those things where you could talk yourself into it it was Mm. about 0.6 miles from the blue line which Mm. at the time was very important it's a little different with the work from home shift that's happening now but when we were looking that was an important metric 0.6 is a pretty far walk Mm. for a potential renter and then the the trade-off that we would say for that metric would be, well, if it's really close to a park, then it kind of makes up for that. Well, it was like point kind of six in the middle from of Horner two parks, yeah. Yeah. So we were like, oh. So you, you could talk yourself into it because it was a nice neighborhood, but yeah. also some things didn't add up. And it's a four-bed, two-bath, and then a two-bed, one-bath below. So really, you're putting a lot of weight in being able to rent the 4-2 for a certain price range. That's mm-hmm. like a pretty big risk when yeah. you think about it. So we backed out of that, and then we kept the search going. It's really hard to back out of deals for houses you love, but we did. felt like a stepping stone. And then the house across the street came up, 
for market and we send our houses that we're thinking about sorry like, the one sorry just so to clarify oh yeah the one across the street you mean here from but where we're at not right from now. where we were just at oh, yes yeah, yes okay. so yeah. so a new house different neighborhood in portage park popped yeah. up we sent it to you because we were like isn't this the house across the street from you and and two we just want to get your thoughts like what do you think obviously if you live in the neighborhood like you'll give us a good perspective and in all caps, you responded, let's buy it. <laughs> <laughs> so at this point, Brian and I were not looking for partners. We weren't considering a partnership. We hadn't even, even really asked anyone. Seriously. Yeah, we had put like, I think we had put two offers in. Like mm-hmm. that was our search so far. Like we yeah. walked a lot of properties. But we but... hadn't found a, a ton that made yeah. sense. This one was a goodie. And you wanted in. <laughs> so our perspective from that was a pretty quick, okay. Yeah. And there's a number of reasons why. We had established multiple channels of like working with you at that point. And two, your experience. So at this point, you guys were in the single family and you had already done a four flat house hack. So that and, and flips. flipped a condo, yeah. flipped a condo in two houses. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So at this point, we're like, okay, we know that the house needs work. He has a network, and he wants to make everything cost half of it. That seems like, in his experience, like that seems like a no brainer. Yeah, and it was a neighborhood that we were looking at, so we knew we were comfortable living in Porch Park. So totally another huge check. And from you guys, it's probably like it's across the street from my house. <laughs> It's a good deal. I don't know. What was your thought in let's buy it? <laughs> well, I can go into like the real story on our end of it too, because well, Rachel, why don't you kind of share some of that? With the neighbor? Yeah. Oh yeah. I was totally for this happening. I wanted that old neighbor out of this house and out of the street and gone. So yeah. when this whole notion came up, I'm like, yep, do it. Sign it. We're done. Um, what are you going to do? Yeah. Yeah, so the neighbor across the street, we had had a negative encounter with, I think we shared a little bit about this on social media, but our, um, we had a friend leaving the house that day who saw this man kick his dog quite quite abusively. Is this where you want me to go? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> are we going to cut this later? Yeah. Yeah, so he he kicked his dog in front of her and she got really upset and ran over there and said, stop, 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 what are you doing? And he just said to her, oh, the dog's old anyway, you know, no big deal. And she was like, absolutely not, and called the police. And the police came, and by that time, the dog actually wasn't able to walk anymore. It was just sitting on the cement, and this guy was completely annihilated, drunk. And at this point, we hadn't had a negative encounter with him, but just, like, noticing he was always, you know, just out on the porch smoking a cigarette and not looking too friendly majority of the time. So to have, you know, my kids out front playing with their little toys, I was just like, eh, this isn't quite the vibe that I'm wanting. (laughs) And so anyways, that happened. Um, He ended up getting arrested and the dog went into care at a shelter and ended up getting fostered through, um, is it the Garrido Foundation? Yeah, yeah. Um, Which was really awesome. So anyways, we had had that negative experience happen and then I just got a little like creeped out about this whole idea of, gosh, we got this guy arrested. Now what is he, you know, what's the recourse going to be? Just got a little nervous about it. So when this thing came up, I was like, yes, like, let's do it. Get him gone. Get some new friendly people on the block that we already know and love. Like, this is great. I mean, honestly, that's like, it's like a dream scenario, you know, where you, 
we had just bought our house and we were excited about it, excited about the new street, but you know, we just didn't know the neighbors. And that's always like a big thing in real estate, right? You have no idea what your neighbors are like until you live there. And to have that type of thing happen was actually kind of scarring. Then I saw that they were putting up the house for sale and I'm like, oh shit, like this is interesting. I didn't really necessarily know how many units were over there, but it was an attractive lot. It's right on the park. And it's a double lot. It's a, yeah, it's, it's a double lot. Double lot. Yeah. And, uh, but this old, uh, what, 1890s frame property. In 1910. Oh, 19. Okay, 1910. Yeah. So anyways, I was just ecstatic that you guys were like, yeah, let's look at it. And I, I was totally going to push that as hard as I could to try and make this deal happen. Yeah. <laughs> well, I remember coming to this house. I forget what we were doing, but literally looking across the window and being like, wow, that house is huge. And it's like a beautiful Victorian, old Victorian. Mm-hmm. I was like... And then, like, four months later, it's just on the market. We're like, oh, this is the house. Yeah. And actually, the first house we ever saw was the house right next to it. That's the first house we ever looked at, which you came in, looked with us. And because Brian didn't have his license at the time. So you were our agent yeah. for the walkthrough of that house. And I remember going to the back of the house in the winter and looking at the park and being like, it would be so nice to live here. <laughs> Just looking at the park. And then, I mean, we ended up literally one house down. So it felt very serendipitous on both parties. And then we did run the numbers and we were like, this place is incredible. And then also it has an unfinished attic, which was huge because that was the real value add that we all saw as a step down the road. Mm-hmm. So numbers made sense. Neighbor, everything made sense. And so we... So we went for it. Yeah, we went for it. And, and so we, yeah, yeah. So we, when we got a, a badass interest rate, we what, 3%? 2.99. Yeah. Right. So just an incredible time to buy. I mean, so many properties were cash flowing at that time. Yeah. And we were able to, to execute on that. I mean, we had a whole plan too. Like we did go through a renovation, right? And yeah. I don't, yeah. I know you guys didn't have the network and weren't necessarily wanting to do that from the beginning on your own. But then with the partnership, like it made a lot of sense totally. to do that. And I think that's like, that's like a huge takeaway. I, I, again, I just like, I think that you guys, what you did was just so smart in terms of let's partner with somebody that already has like, you know, established something and, you know, he's got a network, he's got some skill and like that reduces your risk. Incredible. Well, not only does it reduce the risk in experience, which you can't, you can't put like a price on that, but literally we're spending half. So you're reducing the risk in what you're putting in too, because you're partnering with somebody. So like in even more quantifiable ways, it like made a ton of sense. And then we say too, when people ask about the partnership, they're like, what we say is we learned from Jason's mistakes that you made before you even started this deal, we learned that via how you operate and do things probably would have taken us 10 years to learn the lessons that we just learned in the first year. Even the spreadsheet that we have to track the PL and the return and the acquisition, everything we'll just replicate that mm-hmm. on future projects. We That would have taken us at least five years to develop on our own, yeah. or at least finally asking somebody mm-hmm. or having some sense of, okay, this is how it's done. Totally. And we've read all the books, like yeah. not all the books, but I mean, it's not for lack of 
education or at least willingness to educate ourselves, it's from lack of experience. Yeah. Which you only now, we get still make mic. mistakes, though. All right, so why don't we go into that? Because that's kind of some juicy stuff. What's the What's a big mistake that we made that you guys remember? Well, the first one. Well, which one do you want to say? I don't want to take. Here you go. I was going to say the first mistake we made is a severe underestimation of rehab costs. Yeah, shit. <laughs> like from the get go, we I think we we're week one out the door and we had to pay seven grand for new stairs cement stairs into the garden unit because they cut every corner possible they literally cut a door in half and to get out of the garden unit you had to go up two stairs duck and hunch yourselves and then go out of a mini door and for some reason all three of us, <laughs> three of us walking through we're like eh, it's not a big deal this garden unit yeah, what is great. Smoking? Yeah, like, what how did you really miss that? Yeah. I think, yeah. But actually, that does bring up a pretty <laughs> hilarious point because based on the story you guys said of, like, you know, the neighbor's still living there. So it was a estate deal, and he was one of four children that was still living there. And the way that the relationship worked with the seller's agent was he was the one there showing it. So I remember when Ashley and I first walked up to the door and saw this guy's face, I just froze because <laughs> I was expecting the listing agent to be there. And then lo and behold, Jason's still at his house across the street. Meeting just us. just called the cops on this guy. Really, yeah, like, like four days before. Meeting yeah. us to go tour the house. So I'm on my phone texting him, like, go hat. around your back, go around your back, wear, wear a hat, wear a hat. Wear a hat, yeah. And oh, yeah. Jason, I don't see you very nervous very often. You were like, nervous on this walk where you were like kind of hunched over and you were like yeah, this is good i've never seen you so meek in my life like, oh, usually like command a room when you walk in but you were just trying to be small yeah. <laughs> well so, so i fun. like bringing it back full, full tilt like this guy was there for all the showings and he was smoking cigarettes while in we were house. in the house so we were just in there and out of there you know trying not to spend too much time like from what we could see in the quick while, like, yeah, it looks good enough. The numbers work out. Like, let's do it. So, uh, so one yeah. small, some small mistake that's easily rectifiable in the future is slow down. Yeah. Like you always have more time to check things out, especially on walkthroughs. Mm -hmm. Totally. But we were conditioned. I mean, it was 2021. You were expected to see a house in 12 minutes and make an offer for half a million dollars, seven minutes later. Like we, the industry at the mm -hmm. time was on. Yeah. yeah okay. It was just on. We had to do that. Was there yeah. multiple offers that were on yep. that one? Yeah. Yep. Or were we just yeah. first to act? We were, I think we were first there. And we tried to buy an FHA and put an expiration on it. And they said no to the FHA. So we had to do conventions. So we turned oh, around. Meanwhile, the listing agent yeah. was shuffling people in and out of there. Well, and well, because it was just outside of the loan limit, too. Like, that was also another thing. Yeah. So we potentially were under on our asking price? or No, I think we went list. Oh, okay, we were, we were just going to make up the difference. We were probably still going to put down... We were going to go to the max FHA loan limit, but then it was going to be more than three and a half percent, right? Because of the yeah. at the time the loan limits wouldn't wouldn't prove for that. Yeah, um, it was like a year later that we could have done it, but yeah, um, yeah, we had to switch over to conventional. So that meant we put down fifteen percent, yeah, in order to buy this property, yeah. on a conventional basis. So it was, it was, I mean, that's a sizable down payment. And yeah. so to do that on your own, like what you were saying, was like, oh, yeah. you know, shit. Now we just got half of it taken away because Jason's in on it. So yeah. <laughs> It was a lot it. more flexibility. We were also getting married in Hawaii in six months. 
So we were really, really strict with our budget. We were not going to go over what we intended to spend. And you, and you had like the downside in the income, right? You, yeah. There was a lot of business that was postponed, right? Well, so at this point, have. so at, yeah, yeah, yeah. So at this point, it's 2021. COVID happened 2020. And the way that they approve you for loan amounts is they take for self-employed is they take the last two years and average it together. Well, when you have one of the worst financial years that you've ever had in 2020, then it's, it, your ceiling gets a lot lower than it actually should be because in 2021, we had the best year that we've ever had ever financially, you know, or pretty close. So we recovered because we were working double time, basically all our 2020 weddings got moved to 2021 and then we took on a full schedule. Yeah. So so actually getting approved for the loan was a lot trickier. It's always tricky for self-employed just in general because the tax return thing, but yeah, to have, uh, you know, the business really kind of take a dip. So that's, so, okay. So this is where the partnership really kind of came in handy. It's not like I had a ton of income coming but in. But now there's free income. I think I had enough. Yeah. So if you don't get into the tough uh, self-income self-employed, buying, yeah. we added another yeah. self-income <laughs> as a partner. Yeah, just give it up. Yeah. We really needed Rachel's W-2 yeah. at yeah. that point. Yeah. Like, you really did. Yeah. Yeah. I still had it then. Yeah. <laughs> Would have been a lot easier. Yeah. Lot easier. <laughs> but it's true. Three incomes are better than two when what you're getting approved for. Mm-hmm. So it worked out, got the house, and then started getting rid of little tiny people doors. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, it was like the you probably two days, two yeah. days after we closed, we were cutting up the concrete and, and, pouring, and pouring yeah. cement for a new stairs. And I'm so glad we did that. Like yeah. that $7,000 was worth it. Oh, yeah. Man. That was so worth it. And same with the four inches of ceiling. ceiling space in the garden unit, which was also not on our renovations mm-hmm. analysis. Yeah. yeah. So I think because the ceiling height going into that garden unit was probably what, six three? Yeah. Maybe you're six. It was close for you and I. Yeah. 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 And so we were just like, yeah, somebody's going to take this. Yeah. No problem. Yeah. Like, what somebody, were we thinking? Somebody shorter than us will live here. Yeah. 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 No problem. Yeah. Didn't yeah. even think more than that. <laughs> yeah. right. We just wanted the house, all four of us. Yeah. yeah. We were like, oh, yeah, we could do this. We yeah. can keep the ceiling height. We can kind of renovate down here. Maybe spray paint the cabinets, get yeah. white. And yeah. Like, that's it. Boom. 2000 bucks max. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so We'll double it just yeah. to be safe. But then once we did the inspection, we're like, oh, shit, this is yeah. going to be a little bit more. It'll be more. But like the initial budget was probably what forty five. Yeah, I I can't remember what we discussed. And then we ended up at like you got it there. Yes. Yeah, so seven. for the rehab in total, including bleeding into twenty twenty two renovations, which we upgraded all the appliances in the garden unit, it was thirty nine thousand for labor, mm-hmm. and then seventeen thousand for costs. Okay. Okay. That's that's a great breakdown. So yeah. quick math on that is thirty-eight plus twenty. Just under fifty. Yeah. So okay. All right. So we must have been we must have shot at a little bit lower. So just under fifty is what we spent on the rehab. So we must have had like the estimate like around forty or something. Like I thought that we had gone like maybe ten. Yeah, I thought we had gone maybe ten or fifteen over. Mm-hmm. And we're like, ah shit. But in the grand scheme of things, like here's here's the beautiful thing about like when you go over budget on a rental it actually doesn't adjust the numbers that much. It just, it dents your pocket, right? Yeah. Because we were funding that rehab with cash yep. and straight, you know, extra cash we had in reserve. 
when you look at it from like a return analysis, okay, we're dumping that money into the rehab. It's going to stay in the property. We're, we're, we're forcing appreciation on it through that stuff. But then when we look at like what we're renting it for, the cash on cash return on that money invested is actually, it, it wasn't that much altered versus if you go over budget on a flip by $15,000, like that could be a sizable chunk of your profit. Yes. Yeah, that's yes. Taken out, right. Yeah. yeah. And also to your point, like, I think our initial analysis, we had the garden unit at maybe renting for 900, a thousand, maybe mm-hmm. like a hard, maybe. And the first renters we got in there was 1600. Yeah. So what happened in all the time it took to do the renovations was the renting boom happened in Chicago. So yeah. all this time we're improving a unit while we're getting record rent levels. Mm-hmm. And then we go, to rent in the spring or summer. So it, it, I mean, it ended up working out. We also inherited tenants from the previous owner. So we had the upstairs unit being rented from day one. Literally, I think we moved in September 1st and we got a check on Mm -hmm. September 1st. And then Brian and I took the middle unit. So we're paying rent to the partnership, the LLC that we've established with you guys. So those are two tenants technically, and we're just treating it like rent. Mm -hmm. And then the garden unit is unoccupied because we're renovating it. And then we get renters in there a year later. Was it a whole year or yeah. how? Well, it was a full year that we were doing Almost. Yeah. It was summer, I think May or October. And then we, I think we got them in in July, July or June. July. He had to do all the screenings because we were in Ireland. It doesn't matter. Right. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay. So eight months or so. Yeah. Yeah. So I feel like you guys just kind of like breezed over this, like, oh, it's totally work at it. It was great. It was sunshine and rainbows. We went over budget. No big deal. But like, this was your guys' first home purchase. Yes. And your first renovation that you were doing. So I'm just curious, like, were you like cussing Jason behind the scenes? Like, this guy just took us over budget. He's delaying our schedule. He doesn't know what the hell he's doing. Like, I want to know. Like, this sounded really lovely, but eight months. I feel like during this time, like you were saying, like you guys are really busy, like with the wedding stuff and everything. And then you've got this like rehab you're trying to manage and it's over budget and it's behind schedule. Like what were you thinking? It depends on the month. (laughs) I think there weren't, it, it wasn't completely devoid of like what the fucks I'll say, but for whatever reason, the triangle made it so that it didn't ever feel like one person was a little bit more responsible. Like I think where we drop the ball is project management. So because there's three of us and we all have different skills, none of us, I think felt in charge of moving things along. Now Jason has the contacts and the construction knowledge but Brian is the one doing a lot of the actual like grind work of like he's gotten into the units and done a lot that we have you guys both have I've done a little bit not much but like he was more property manager like little day-to-day things and then actual non-contracted like drywall hanging or that kind of stuff at least at the beginning and then I thrive in like the organization type of things and honestly like project managing, but I never felt qualified or knowledgeable enough to be like, okay, I'm just going to make sure everyone knows what they need to be doing, what the timeline is. I mean, that's where I could have provided value, but since all of us felt not in charge and in charge, I think that's where we dropped the ball on timing. We probably could have mm-hmm. gotten it done in four months if we mm-hmm. were 
we were also getting married in six months. Right. So it felt really easy and almost nice sometimes to just be like, oh, we haven't had work workers down there in two weeks, have we? Yeah. Someone going to call? Like, it kind of felt nice because well, we had so much going on. I think also we we signed up because we lived so close. You guys lived the one floor above, and oh. I lived across the street. Yeah. <laughs> what that meant was like, oh, that's so easy. We could just do a lot of the work ourselves, yes. right? Yeah. Because of the proximity. But that was like, that was probably the mistake that I made when I had already done a lot of work before of like, okay, I know how to do this stuff and I, yes, I can do it. But then all of a sudden, like time just got away from yeah. a lot of us and our businesses. You, you guys were, were starting your brokerage. Right, right. We were, we were doing really well on the brokerage side. Yeah, you guys right. were getting super busy on the wedding stuff again. And it was just like full blast. Now it's like, oh shit, we have to like, we have to fit in time to go do paint and yeah. do all that stuff. We right? also so, got a puppy, a second puppy. Yeah. Yeah. Just because why not? Yeah. And I think you guys had a kid in there somewhere. So. Oh, right. yeah. oh yeah. Yeah. So, so it was always like after a full days of work, you then also had to go back over. Yeah. And, and so I think like looking back at that now, and I'm, lo- I'm loving that we're talking about this, but it's just like, you know, I think a lot of people want to just do so much work themselves mm-hmm. and it's cool to do that. But I think you need to recognize like the reality of the execution of that and just life happens. And we're also not pros, you know, yeah. it takes us longer than what a pro would to do that type of job. And I think because we were over budget, we were trying to save, yes. right? And there was opportunity for us to save, but that just typically means that when you say, okay, I'm going to do it myself, it, it extends the timeline. Mm-hmm. And if you've got the time, like, okay, that's fine. And like, Hey, I think what we were looking for was like, can we just get this rented in the rental season? Yeah. And it ended up happening through that whole. That yeah. Well, I, I definitely felt a transition even from you of let's just hire someone like, and in the beginning it was, we can do that and we can do this. Somebody else has to do the electrician, you know, mm-hmm. the important jobs, but any grunt work, all three of us were like, we can do it. Mm-hmm. We can do it. And that slowed us down severely. And then there was a very noticeable shift. I think that happened collectively. That was like, let's pay someone to do all of it. Yeah. Let's pay someone because that's more efficient. And then when you step back and think about it, if we would have paid someone to do it quicker, we would have made that money that we spent back because it would have been rented earlier. Yeah. Right. But that is such a hard lesson to absorb. And I have heard it on so many podcasts about real estate investing of like, you know, hire the work and, and, you know, don't try to do it all yourself. And yet I made that same mistake countless times in yeah. the first. And, and sometimes you got to do that, right? Sometimes you just have to uh, experience the, the trauma that kind of goes through that in order to really like get that into your head. Like, you know, we shouldn't have done that. Right. Yeah. And yeah. it's almost like, so if you're, if you're working with a client and you say, here's what I recommend on the price that we need to offer in this multiple bid situation, the client says, no, I don't want to do that. I want to come in like 10,000 less. Okay. Okay. We're, we're probably going to lose off of that. I just want you to know. And, but we still move forward with that. And like we lose and then they're like, oh man, you know, but sometimes it's like, you do that a couple of times. They have to like lick their wounds a little bit and then yeah. they start recognizing yeah, it didn't work last time, so maybe we should take the advice of some of an agent that knows yeah, how to win totally. in these situations, and we should just go forward with that. And I think that's kind of it, it's kind of tying into to this whole thing where it's like, now nah, we should have we should have just 
like hired from the beginning. Yeah, but he didn't. But, <laughs> but he it's like partner. the allure. Yeah. of it. it's like we can do this because oh, we were so close. Yeah. Like if right we, here. Yeah, if the property was you know I don't know a block away or maybe just you know ten, ten minutes, minutes away, it would have been a completely different scenario totally. for my mindset. But instead, I was like, okay, I'm right across the street. You no literally problem. Have to walk across the street. Yeah. <laughs> but also, I think like not to toot our own horn, but I think the purchase that we made and the credits that we were able to get. Like it still worked for the time being for those eight months. Like it wasn't like this, like this needs to be done because now. Because we're losing so much yeah, money every month. We're, we're bleeding yeah, money. It was it like, wasn't the case. Uh, this kind of works. So it's like, you know, the urgency there was like at bay because the house was breaking even yeah. all of our costs, including our rent, the mm-hmm. house was breaking even mm-hmm. and, and our rent was a market rent. Mm-hmm. So it felt very affordable and fair. Yeah. yeah. And like, what were you guys paying? 1800 1800 yeah. yeah. So, and that was very, like, it, compared to where you were living before, like, how much were you paying in rent and your portion? Oh, not much before, because we lived in a four-bedsy bath what with two other girls. Totally so, yeah. Okay. And you were yeah. But that, that was unit was yeah. 3300 35 yeah. And your portion of that was yeah. maybe... Thousand yeah. bucks yeah. or okay, yeah. all right. So you guys were in within range. So basically, we were. you're living in a in a unit, and it didn't feel like, like a change, right? Okay, so it didn't yeah. right didn't feel like that big of a stretch for you. But I remember at one point, like because we were all coasting because we were all so busy at this breaking even for a couple months, getting work done when we can. And I literally remember Jason sending us an email and being like, "We need to move forward on Project X Y Z because." Breaking even is no longer an option for me. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, all right, Captain, we gotta get going. <laughs> Time to make some money. I mean, I think we all needed a little kick in the ass, but like, I remember that you being like, yeah, I don't think it's an option for us either. Exactly. I think it's time. I don't know. He just got sick of not making money. Yeah, you know, he, was, he, yeah, he caught up on his spreadsheet. Yeah. I'm not making money on this. I think it was like just one late night and a beer on his spreadsheet. Yeah. Or yeah. probably Sometimes water. You just, just have this awakening. That's, that's just like, oh shit! Like <laughs> you know, we should we should get going. And, yeah. You know, it's happening later in the Spring's season. Spring's coming. Yeah. You know, I think usually when I when I say something like that, it's it's because I'm trying to light the fire of my own ass to. Yeah. We need to push this, and yeah, I so think it makes, it's necessary sometimes, yeah. especially mm-hmm. when there's not a clear leader in mm-hmm. a partnership. That's like one thing that we'll do differently in the future is like just have clearly defined roles and expectations because mm-hmm. that just mitigates so much less grayness in when those ropes that you tether yourself to start to get strained. It's really easy when they're slack. But when they're taught and you're feeling the stress of an external situation, which is going to happen, Mm -hmm. then clear expectations make everything so much easier, Mm -hmm. you know? So I think that's something, I mean, we literally just jumped into it, told you to wear a hat and like all smile that like, you know, like, I mean, we were were just cracking up like when we were by like. Dude, are we gonna be your next door or yeah. across the street neighbors? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is like, fun. like it's still hilarious. Like it we is. live across the street from yeah, you guys. You guys say hey we went to college with you. Like, what are the odds of that happening? You know, like, but yeah, it's it's such a and it wouldn't happen if we didn't like have the same mindset around mm-hmm. it, right? Yes, like it was. Uh, is the right? It doesn't happen. It doesn't, and I think that that's like that's the really special thing because not many people do have this type of relationship, and then to want to partner and then to work through like you know the ups and the downs and then to kind of get it to the point where it's been stabilized now 
And like, how do we feel about the deal now? Like, really good. Yeah, I feel great. Yeah, the numbers are really good. The situation is really good, and it's just a great place to live. From a living perspective, it's going to be really hard to leave our apartment. We really love it, and you know, we're trying to plan for the next investment right now, and and we're ready to do that two years after because we partnered. If we didn't, it probably wouldn't happen until five years. Right after it really like the ability to fail fast in small ways was completely enabled through a partnership. You end up realizing that real estate is such a team sport, and the more people that you can connect with, build you know really great relationships with, and to your point, you know we were this was a first time partnership. We didn't know right. what we were doing. We still don't have an operating agreement. We kind of do, but yeah. <laughs> like it's not something that we yeah. want to recommend to people. Like we yeah. should. Yeah, like that's still a step that we still need to go through to have everything like all buttoned up and whatnot. But I think because we had this friendship from college that it, it was it allowed us to be a little bit looser with it. Totally. And then continue to work through everything, you know, that we that we did. And like and now it's now it's really good. So like so I guess like the the roles and responsibilities like as they are now. Yeah. Let's go through that. Because you know, Brian, you, you deal with a lot of the tenants and like you're mowing the grass. You're basically a property manager. Yeah, property yeah. you do the property management side. Yeah. And then you're doing a lot of the, the spreadsheets and keeping up with uh, the financials. Yep, the financials. My, my hand on. And then you're like anything construction, I would say. Yeah. We also and then I do the accounting. So and, I do yeah. the accounting work every month and like prepare for the taxes and and also one other point about the partnership that's actually really nice is we also hear in all these podcasts about how don't let tenants know that you're the owner if you're owner occupied, right? Definitely. It felt counterintuitive for us to like be, I don't know, we didn't want to be deceptive. We felt weird about it. So they know that we're the owners, but they also know that Jason is also an owner. And so we throw you under the bus whenever we need to. <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> like, uh, if they ask for something that's not really within landlord responsibilities, we're like, uh, I mean, we we might, but Jason's not, I don't think Jason's gonna go over <laughs> oh, so, so you're just awesome. this shadow figure yes. that they don't know, but yeah. you know. It, but that's, I mean, it's also it's a, nice. a strategy, like good cop, bad cop too. Cause yeah. Yeah. I remember while we were negotiating with the selling agent, you know, I was the broker and the mm -hmm. buyer, and mm -hmm. Jason was oh. the partner. Mm -hmm. So anything that was being talked about, I always had this out of. Well, I got to bring it to my partner, or if we if we need <laughs> yeah. to present something hard, like, it, hey, I'm telling you right now, my partner's not going to go for this. So like, if you want this to happen, we got to do X, Y, Z. And we hadn't even talked to you. We would just say that. Yeah, you know, and it yeah. worked. Like it worked through like our benefit. Like, yeah, I think our interest rate initially was quoted at three point two, and you know, Jason needed it to be under three. Yeah, I think you actually yeah put the hammer down on that one, but it was a tactic that allowed good cop, bad cop, because they wanted to help out us, you know, but we had to please our partner who they've never talked to. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it works though. It's a good tactic, I yeah. think, in a lot of elements. For certain things, like I mean, if somebody is we get a question like, well, I gotta ask a partner about that one. Yeah. Not for serious. Give it some time. Yeah. <laughs> Marinate with well, how we want to process. Yeah, and there's totally uh there's some things that that did occur, right? Because we so we went through some flooding that happened in the in the garden unit. Right. And the tenants they got 
pretty upset about that whole situation. And we, we did everything that we could to, you know, just kind of make that situation better. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, they had to take off from work. And so we gave them like a rent credit day, like for yeah. a few days. Yeah. I think they asked for like 200 or 300 bucks off or something. And well, they, it was a pretty significant ask. They asked, they asked yeah. for, yeah, I think, a lot more than that. They yeah. asked for, like, it might have been, like, a whole week or something. They, yeah. There was some. There was something weird with their request. And then, it was lost wages. Yeah, it was lost wages. Yes. But I don't, know, I don't know if they put a number to it. And then we said we would give you, like, two days of the, you know, the rent. Right. Yeah. yeah, that you took off. And uh, but then they came back for more. Right. Right. It kind of opened. It opened the door. There's an ask for an ask. Yeah. Yeah. The second ask was. Yeah. It it opened the door that they wanted a lot more, and then they kind of like started to threaten us a little bit, right, with bringing in other things or whatnot. Yeah, they just wanted different inspections and stuff like that. So we just followed the laws and the rules, Mm -hmm. and we were really fair. But having time to absorb what they're asking instead of just people pleasing and saying yes and wanting to keep your tenants happy. Just even ha- having the space to step back and think because I'm, I'm a really, I'm an empath and I kind of melt sometimes when I see people in stressful situations and I want to help. And so I want to tell them yes, right when they're asking me on the yeah. spot immediately, but to have space to think about it from a fair perspective and then also just a, a protect your investment perspective it was so helpful yeah and just to have like another voice in the mix of like hey this is how it's presented to us we're presenting to you like what are your thoughts is always i feel like has been helpful throughout the process with it's tenants yeah i I I want to piggyback off of what you just said because i think as the owner occupants you develop a really sincere relationship with the people that you're living in the building and then to, for me, I'm across the street, but I don't have the interactions that you do at all. And so, yeah, when those situations come up, I think it's like to no one's fault. Like everybody would want to help as much as they possibly can and like give away the house type thing. But yeah. that's where it, it did help to have this. Wait, hold on. Let's take a step back a little bit. And then, you know, and let, we throw Jason under the bus for this because that, <laughs> that's like that's beautiful. Right. Yeah, that's amazing. That's like amazing. It's you it's amazing. Yeah, it's, that, right. <laughs> Um, so I think that really worked out. <laughs> I love being <laughs> No, and it still felt fair yeah. and, and it checked all the boxes that are important to uh-huh. all three of us. Yeah. So that's just one circumstance too. And, and two, like, I mean, sharing your first house with friends from college is so not typical and traditional. I, traditional and I think that's what like a lot of, you know, relatives like the boomer generation heard of what we did and they're like, what? Like, I had a lot of questions and I think having a level head about it, but being open to less traditional mm-hmm. ways to grow your wealth and to make investments has been, has always resonated with us. And we like the kind of maverick feeling of real estate investing it's like really resonated and then we get to host them you know brian's relatives were in from out of town and not only are we open about the numbers so they know the investment and like the returns but they just come to our house and they just heard like i really like your home i really like you know so there's an element of pride of doing your first house hack that is 
both in the financial piece, but also in the, yeah, this is a home that you could live in and live happily and not sacrifice, you know, living in a closet. Yeah. It's not, like, <laughs> it's not a shit building. Like you guys yeah, live in yeah. a beautiful space. We've right. renovated your bathroom and um, the kitchen right. has been updated as well. And yeah, I mean, it's night and day from where it was when we bought it to you know, so there's a, there's a component of like the live-in rehab that we could probably touch on. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm curious, like I, your never whole again. <laughs> yeah, your whole you aspect on that. Said that it just sparked my memory of how filthy the place was. Yeah, another oversight from all of us, I think, for the reasons we said before. Like this guy was over our shoulder every time we were there, just like smoking in the house while we were there. So we knew there was some of it, but then when we got in there, oh my goodness, it was. I've never uh, cleaned like yeah. that in my life. The blinds were yellow. Everything was yellow. Yeah. It started off from white. nicotine, not paint. We didn't see that in the walkthrough. Mm-hmm. I don't know how you don't see that. You truly have goggles sometimes. It, it was great bones, but oh my gosh. Yeah. I think we spent a month deep cleaning this house in a way that I have never cleaned in my life yeah. ever. Yeah. So, Dan, on that same topic of live in rehab it's tough you know you got people in your space doing work that's loud and dirty and dusty and you're trying to do all the things that we're doing on our day-to-day basis and romantic wedding videos (laughs) (laughs) to to blasting mariachi and hammering and or jason singing yeah um but yeah, that was uh, certainly, and again, we we had never done renovations of any sort before. Mm-hmm. So to have that be the first kind of exposure, although I will step back. And so in between our last lease and our first purchase, we lived at my brother's house in Parkridge and they were renovating their first floor. So it was the four of us sleeping upstairs and then using their basement as kind of like an all utility room. So we had like one electric burner, <laughs> Like the the slop sink was like the sink for dishes, and then we have the grill. So I was like, "These are four adults in their 30s. Yeah, oh and God. we have two massive dogs. Yeah. Same time too, so. so we say that, and yet, yeah, and then we just jumped right into a live-in renovation. But and then got married, um, and then got married. Yeah, so definitely wouldn't advise to do it as your first kind of renovation. A live-in renovation. Yeah. But to your point, like another good experience of like how quick or how slow some things go and what you need to do in certain situations and kind of all the materials involved and all the labor and everything that's involved. Like obviously it's happening right in front of you. So, so, so was it worth it? So like, so now like, do you want to talk through like what we get paid every month and like kind of the distribution and like what you guys actually like what it costs you to live there Yeah, Yeah. Cause I think that's a cool, component of it because that's like we went through the suffering part (laughs) right and then sometimes it's like boy you know was it worth it to do that stuff and then you know you're kind of like okay a year after it's been done a year and a half after it's been done it's been stabilized now now how was it and is it better right so from my perspective yeah like I think it was we were expecting it to not be all fun and games obviously there's a lot of hard work that goes into it mm-hmm. i think the time factor was eye-opening to us in terms of like for all the reasons of renovations or managing tenants or just managing the property like all of it that goes in it, it's not 
passive while you're in it, right? Yeah. Um, so that was a big yeah. takeaway. Mm-hmm. But yeah, a year later, now that we're stabilized, I, you know, we cut down on our cost of living, which was goal number one. So yeah, our goal going into this was to get our cost of living under a thousand dollars. So as a whole unit, the building makes fifty two hundred. It might be fifty three hundred. Um, I think rent up in, up this in total rent that we bring in. Yes, mm-hmm. our costs are between. It kind of depends on the water bill and everything, but it's a and then reserves we put away four seventy five per month mm-hmm. in reserves. So inclusive of that, it's like thirty two hundred. So it's about two grand cash flow mm-hmm. per month, depending on how much the water bill is. And so we each take home anywhere between 700 and a thousand per partner. So that makes our, if we're paying 1900, our rent is anywhere between a thousand and $900. I think last month it was like 800 yeah. between two people. And so it's like 400 a month. It's been phenomenal. That's truly insanity. You have three units and you guys are living for about a thousand dollars a month. Yeah. yeah. Like you, you can't do that as a renter Yeah. and to live in a nice place and on a double lot on a park. Like you can't totally. do that. And the value of the house is going up. So we're reaping the benefits of just slow, but sure. Yeah. And we're still doing you know, more minor renovations at this point yeah. to just keep those rents growing. So. Mm-hmm. And to anticipate us leaving. Yeah. Cause that's, yeah. yeah. Okay. So that kind of gets to like my next question. Like, does this like spark your, I think you've already, you've already said that you're, you're interested in another house hack, but what's the end goal and like, what's kind of, where do you kind of see yourself in like the next five years of, of this? And, and has this kind of been a crutch to kind of get you to the next step? Yeah. So our end goal is to, be in well in five years we want to be in a single family home we want to prolong that as long as possible because once you go single family i think it's really hard to undo that and we're really comfortable sharing space with people right now and so we want to do at least one more before we even think about single family and then we are also interested in short-term rental just to diversify too so it I mean, our goal is to be in a single family in under five years, and that isn't going to happen until we reach a certain monthly amount in passive passive income. Mm-hmm. I don't think real estate is fully, fully passive, at least the way that we're doing it. It's never going to be fully passive. There's always a couple of hours a month that you have to dedicate towards it. But Yeah, I think keep acquiring properties to hold long-term and yeah. rent them out and have that pay for the single family home. Yeah. So. And, yeah. And all of our expenses. I mean, I think it's the same tune. A lot of people that get into this thing of financial freedom and that means different things to a lot of different people. And it's helpful to put a number to that, but that number continues to change as you evaluate what your expenses actually are and how much you want to work and in what industries we're going through a career transition. So we're basically taking our photography and videography business and making it part-time. And that is a slow transition because wedding contracts are like a year and a half, somewhere like two years. Mm -hmm. So it has been a slow transition, but what the house hack has let us do is make that transition gracefully rather than really abruptly. 
So I have slowly been going more and more part-time and deciding on what career I wanted to start investing in now because our cost of living is so low. So you can't do that if you have two, three grand in rent that you have to make. You have to keep a full-time job. But because of our house hack and our income from the property, we're able to just mitigate that a little bit. Brian also has gone full-time real estate agent. And so in that, that's a hundred percent commission. And so that is a risk in itself, which is offset by having an investment property. So we kind of used that house hack as spaciousness for these transitions instead of going right into another house hack. So there's a world where we could have been in our second one this year. We chose to take it this space for personal reasons, mm-hmm. you know, like we wanted, we didn't want another year like 2021 where we were just busting mm-hmm. ass working yeah. 90 yeah. hour weeks. Talking about doing renovations in the garden unit. I think when you like take a step back and look at both of our 2021 years, you're like, Oh, that was a lot of stuff happening. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we're not afraid of the grind, but we don't want to grind all the time. We have other mm-hmm. values. Like, mm-hmm. We value our friends. You don't get to see your friends if you're working years like we worked in 2021. It just was not mm-hmm. filling our cup. So we took 2022 to slow down a little bit and then 2023 to plant new seeds in new industries and new careers. And financial flexibility allows that, which is what I have to Yeah, I... I- I admire that a lot because yeah, to your point, it's, it's especially from the entrepreneurship side, it's always uh, look, if you're not working, you're not making money. Like that's the reality of it. And it gets really hard when you get committed to a lot of obligations. And then if you don't have the money coming in, like you have to work, like you've, you've already signed up for all this stuff. Right. You don't have the flexibility. And so that's where a lot of people can really get challenged is if they sign up for the single family home and they don't have a way to offset that living expense, that major, major expense. Most of their income goes towards this housing expense. And you guys just did it beautifully because you did the house hack and you've reduced it. And not to mention we're in an inflationary period. Like the cost of everything has skyrocketed. And you guys basically were ahead of that. And let's attack the biggest portion of our expenses, which is the housing, and still build equity. Like we built a lot of equity just yeah. in owning this home in really a lucky. short period of time. And it's because of the low financing that we had, the forced appreciation through renovation, the market appreciation that just naturally happened because mm-hmm. of the boom. You guys are really benefiting from that. And I I, I just I, I think it's a beautiful execution and what you've done. And then it's like, hey. We don't need to force the next one because you know what? To get something right now, we'd be forcing it. Yeah. Right? Because it's a lot harder to find that that great deal to make it as good as what this one is. Although right. there's a few this week that popped up. I know. Well, <laughs> and, and I'm not going to lie. I was like, whoa, mortgage market's popping yeah, off right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's because we've seen we've seen a huge rent increase. Yeah. And that's helping the deals, but the, the financing is, is hard. Yeah. So then you have to yeah. play tricks with, like, how do we how do we work the financing right. part? But, yeah, no, I, I think I think taking it slow is, is great in the whole financial freedom 
that's your own definition, right? Everybody's got their own. And I think there's such a, there's such a drive of like, ah, I got to do this in five years, like, or less, or, you know, 10 years, like, you know, three years, like I want to be a millionaire. Right. So people just have these huge ambitions, which is great. People can do it. But the reality is, is like, you still have other things outside of that. And yeah, you know, how do you not kill yourself? Totally. And I I think getting close to hitting your limits in this particular category are reasons why we're not anti-ambition, but we are pro-balance in a way that I don't necessarily see in a, a lot of entrepreneurial situations just because of what you said. If you're not working, you're not making money. And so a lot of what we're trying to value is stepping back and finding ways that you do make money when you're not working and also just having reasonable just reasonable ambitions that complement yeah, our values. Yeah. So, it, it, but it is tricky, I think, because we're both can be such workhorses that the impulse to direct your work ethic into something like a person, like a friendship and not your business is, it feels counterintuitive to the last 10 years because most of our 20s were into building up Tinky and then it just transferred to building our real estate portfolio and real estate, real estate. And then we just stepped back and we were like, we need to do this in the way that feels the most Brian and Ashley. Yeah. yeah. And it, it feels good. Yeah. yeah. It feels good. And then I'll also say like the partnership allowed us to yeah. come to terms with like, Oh, this is attainable. Like yes. now that we're in a house doing a house hack, the next one seems not like easy, but like, I don't feel afraid. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Like, yeah, we know what we're doing now. We have this experience. Like Mm -hmm. things will go wrong, but that's okay. That's part Mm -hmm. of the process. So just having that wherewithal of like, oh, we did learn a lot in these last couple of years. And that was hard at times, but also maybe step back and reevaluate for some more balance and moving forward. It seems way more attainable. Yeah. So we'll make decisions out of like what's preserving a good balance. And then I think that helps you go longer. Like your endurance comes with that. And yeah, it's it's good lessons. I think we're really attached to growth and learning and not attached to making it perfect. And I think that makes it so that there's not as much tension because I think there was a lot of tension because we were kind of afraid to do our first house hack to make it perfect and to like really, really nail it and stick every single landing. And that doesn't help because if you're just trying to be perfect, then you can't learn and grow and humble yourself in a humbling industry, you know? Yeah. So it's been good. Those are really, really good reflections. Honestly, what you just said there is like, you can have a scope of work, but we fucked it up on day one. Day negative one. So I think that's the thing is like, you'll get better with that and you'll remember that totally. to the next one. And like, you'll probably go a little bit deeper on your analysis and stuff. But like, you know, at the end of the day, to your point, it was just like, yeah, don't try to be perfect with it. The biggest thing that happened was the action mm-hmm. and it was the ability to get it done and to collaborate and we, we had to act quickly at the time. Right. And that's how real estate works nowadays is that you have to act quickly for things that are good. And I just think that that you guys, it's hard to find people that are like you guys that are like, yes, let's do it. So yeah. I just think like your whole story is amazing. And thanks for like sharing it. 
I think- well, and I just want to like acknowledge you guys for what you were just sharing. I I have always admired your commitment to like intentional presence mm-hmm. and how you want to experience life. I think you know you guys did have that really hard hustle and bustle year of 2021, and probably the prior 10 years as well. Like it has been hustle for a long time, but I think you really do make a point to be intentional at how you want to spend your time and be present in that. And I just think it's a really good lesson for other entrepreneurs out there to really hear that and hear, you know, you, you, you did the hustle and bustle, you had your lessons learned, but going forward, you're very intentional how you want to continue your investments. And it's not just financial, it's in yourself and in your life and right. your experiences. And I just think that's really admirable. Um, I enjoyed listening to Thanks. That's so sweet of both of you. It's very Um, nice. Okay, so so how we wrap it up is for you guys, what's like the biggest takeaway for somebody that's listening to this? What's the biggest takeaway you want the listener to walk away with from this conversation? I think a big thing for me is get in the game however you can, I guess. So for us, like, it turned out to be this partnership and you know, it's been great and it's been hard and it's been fun. Like all of the emotions, all the roller coaster and stuff like that, but just to get in the game of, okay, now we are real estate investors where before it wasn't even on our radar. So I think a lot of, like we said before, like a lot of our time and energy went into researching, okay, like real estate investing, like this is how we, this looks like a path forward for us. And we probably sat on it for like a year or so, like marinating that of like, how can we do this? How can we make this work? And, you know, we started looking at multifamilies and then this one popped up. This partnership was fell kind of in our laps and we're like, yeah, let's do it. Why not? So I think that is a huge learning lesson for me of just like, just do it. Like it's not, like we said, it's not going to be perfect. Sometimes it may not be pretty, but you'll be in the game and, just being in the game for two years has given us a wealth of knowledge and just like a crazy experience that we probably wouldn't have had, had we gone at it alone. So, yeah, that's so funny. Cause I, I always describe Brian and I's energy as like different. Cause I'm not afraid to do and to start, but I'm very bad at execution, like finishing what I start. And he's the opposite. He is very hesitant to start things but when he does his follow-through is incredible he's a very he has a lot of integrity in his actions and so we're like flipped and he said to just start and my answer was going to be to act with integrity (laughs) which is like what Brian is really good at so what I mean by act with integrity is just like he said if you say you want to be a real estate investor I think be gentle with what that timing and everything can mean and do it within your means and push your comfort zone, but do it with integrity. Like try and be a real estate investor for real. Try and be a self-employed entrepreneur for real. Try and dance for real, like do it with integrity and then trust yourself when you maneuver in this crazy industry with plenty of characters with integrity, trust your integrity when you feel like a black sheep or when you feel unsure, I think humble yourself to people and act with integrity and that'll get you so far, even if it doesn't feel like it at times, which happens to be a sort of mode of living that I think Brian really embodies in a lot of ways and why I think he'll 
be good and why I think you'll do really well and do well and why anyone who is got that like touch or at least seemingly minus touch in the industry, it's usually because they have a lot of integrity with how they conduct themselves, with their habits, with their business, with their relationships. So that's the very long winded on both of our ends. Well, <laughs> Takeaways. Yeah, no, it's good stuff. It's good stuff. Okay. Well, guys, thank you for coming on. I like this is this is awesome. It's a privilege. I appreciate you guys doing it. Being candid too, because that's that's what I love is the authenticity that you guys have and just how you share it. That's what the whole podcast is about. It's about real conversations, real, you know, just real endeavors, going after things that you know, from an entrepreneurship level, but from also how do you build relationships and how do you keep business relationships, but then also have the friendship relationships in there as well. And I think a lot of people are really, they, they don't want to intertwine the two, but we've, we've done it. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't like sunshine and rainbows, but it was like, yeah, you got the hard business decisions and then you have the friendship that kind of backed that up too. And I think what a lot of people can walk away with is like, don't be afraid to go into something with your friends because you have that softness from the friendship to help the hardness of the business. And I think that's a cool thing that most people just like they completely ignore. And I think there's a lot of strength when you can combine the two to walk away with something that's, that's great. So, Yeah. And I think it was a great reflection that you said, like, now you guys know your roles, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, everybody's responsible for it. It's clear. You may not have defined it up front, but you got there. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, guys. Well, thank you. If you found value in the show, please share it. I mean, Brian Ashley's story is like remarkable. So that's one of the best things you can do is just share the show and we will see you on the next one. All right. That's a wrap. Thank you for listening to the Real Life Investing Podcast. We hope that you walk away from this episode with something of value, whether you learned something new, felt inspired, or it helped spur a new idea. We are all in this game of life together and sometimes all it takes is hearing the stories and strategies of others that are out there doing it to help inspire you to take action towards becoming the best version of yourself. Thanks for listening. Please share the show and we'll catch you on the next episode.